sons. Because these people are men, so they're like me. They represent me, only they're better than me. The priest can help me get to God. So the priest helped me make my first communion. And the priest helped me do my confession. And the priest was a person, you're young, and you're thinking, he's like me. He's going to help me get to God. And then you start to grow older. And you realize, you know what? He's not only like me, he's too much like me. You tracking? And you get a little bit older. And I still remember the first time a priest lost his temper with me. And I I hadn't done anything wrong. I, I made a mistake. I think I dropped something. And he tore into me. And I remember thinking, wow, you're, you're supposed to be like better than me. And then you get a little bit older. You know, and one of my guy friends says, hey, you know, one of the priests is hitting on me. And I'm like, what? And then you begin to realize that, yes, these priests are like me. But the problem is the priests are like me. We need someone like us who can represent us, but someone who is better than us to get us to God. We need someone like Jesus, our high priest. And that's our lesson this evening on Jesus, our high priest. And it's all from Hebrew, so this should be really, really familiar. Last week we covered Jesus, the Lamb of God, our perfect sacrifice. So it made sense to me that after covering Jesus, our perfect sacrifice, we would cover Jesus, our high priest, okay? So here's our introduction. It says in Hebrews 3.1, consider Jesus our high priest, right? Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. What should we consider about Jesus? Really, the two main things we've already talked about. Let's start with number one. Number one. God became a man, that's Jesus, to become our high priest. That's what the gospel's all about. That's what Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 17 through 18 helps us to understand. Why would God become a man? Because remember, a priest has to represent his people. A priest is always taken from the people whom he represents. So God became a man. First point, Jesus became like us to satisfy the wrath of God against us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. God becomes a man. God becomes one of us so that he could represent us, offer himself, and satisfy the wrath of God that we all deserve. But there's a second blessing in that as well, the second subpoint, Because Jesus became like us, he's able to help us with temptation. So a priest has to be like the people he represents. God comes in the flesh, Jesus so that he can be a priest representing us like us. But since he became a man and was tempted, 
when we're tempted, we can come to him and we can find help. He understands what we're going through, and thus we have Jesus, God becoming a man, to become our high priest. Hebrews 2.18, for since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he's able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So we're grateful that we have God becoming a man so that that man, the God-man, Jesus, would be our high priest. But remember how I began with talking about Roman Catholic priests. And, and again, this is not a slam on them. It's just the idea that no matter how hard they try, they're just like me. They have the same problems I have. Some, I'm sure, have more and some have less, no doubt. But they're people just like us. See, number one, God became a man to become our high priest. Number two, yet the God who became a man, Jesus, let's just make sure we got this, he was God. He didn't cease being God. He became a man and did not stop being God. So our high priest, Jesus, is a man, but he's also God who becomes our sinless high priest. And Jesus does what my Roman Catholic priests couldn't do, Father Horst, Father Vafko, and the other guys that, that were part of the church and the school I was at. Jesus was God who became our sinless high priest. Okay, two subpoints. First, our sinless high priest offered a perfect sacrifice unlike sinful high priests. For it was fitting, Hebrews 5, 26, 7, it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separate from sinners. So that's pretty clear. And exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily like those high priests to offer up sacrifices, the high priests in the Old Testament, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. Jesus didn't have to begin by saying, okay, like the Old Testament high priest did, first I need to offer something for my own sin, and then I could intercede for the rest. Jesus didn't have to do that. Why? Because he's our sinless high priest. He offers a perfect sacrifice. Subpoint number two, our sinless high priest continues forever, unlike sinful high priests. In the Old Testament, the priests died because they were sinners. You know, I've been to funerals for Catholic priests. You say, why'd they die? They're sinners. But what happens with Jesus? The former priests, on the one hand, existed in great numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. They grow old, they die. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he's able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And just to, it's a risk of stating the obvious, you might say, but Greg, Jesus died. Yeah, but Jesus died because he wanted to die. Jesus, in that sense, didn't quote-unquote have to die. Jesus gave his life for a very brief period of time, and three years later, he's raised from the dead, and he continues to be our high priest today. Right now, he lives to make intercession for us. That's our second sub-point. So Jesus, our high priest, is sinless, which is why he can offer a perfect sacrifice. He doesn't have to do it for himself. He could just do it for us. Secondly, 
he doesn't like die and we got to go find a new one because he continues forever, unlike sinful high priest. And then a third subpoint: our sinless high priest entered heaven to obtain eternal redemption. And that makes us think of Hebrews 9, 11 through 12. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. So some of you remember we worked through Hebrews, and there was especially one day where Pastor Ward did a really, really good job of helping us understand the tabernacle. Remember that word? And it was just, it was just like, wow. He just almost did it on the spur of the moment, okay? Because uh, that was when I became ill. And he helped us to understand how wonderful the tabernacle is and all that it taught. Jesus did not serve in that kind of tabernacle. Can I remind all of us? that no one got saved from doing any kind of religious exercise related to that tabernacle. The blood of bulls and goats is not able to take away sin. It was all a picture. But Jesus, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation and not through the blood of goats and bulls, goats and calves, excuse me, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. How could he do that? Because he's our sinless high priest. So Jesus, God in the flesh, God becomes a man to represent us, to become like us, but then in a very important way, he's not like us. See, that's where the Catholic priest messed up. He is our sinless high priest, who can gain access to God for us when we come through him because he's our sinless high priest. And so we wrap up with three exhortations. Since Jesus is our great high priest, this is coming right out of Hebrews 10, verse 21, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, three applications, right? Number one, let us draw near to God through Jesus. Since we have God in the flesh becoming like us, but radically sinless, different than us, let us draw near to God through Jesus. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. If you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, I would invite you Draw near to God through Jesus because there's no other way. And if someone were to say, Greg, I don't think I need Jesus to get to God, yeah, and you're probably doing coffee with Trump tomorrow, huh? It's not going to happen. How in the world am I going to get to God if I can't even get to Nikki Haley? Okay? It's not happening. I need a priest. And we have one. He became like me, but not too much like me. He's man, but he's sinless. Let us draw near to God through Jesus. Guys, there's no other way to get to God except through Jesus. Number two, for those who have put faith in Christ, verse 23, let us never turn away from following Jesus. That's verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who promised is faithful. And that's just that repeated refrain in Hebrews. Keep running the race. Keep your eyes on Jesus, right? The author, the finisher of our faith. Just, just keep pursuing Christ. There's no one better. There's no one else worth following. Jesus is better. So continue. Number two. And then number three. Thirdly, let us encourage one another to keep following Jesus. And that's verse 24 and 25. Hebrews says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not the only reason, but what's one of the reasons we come together, whether it's on a smaller Wednesday night venue like tonight or our typical Sunday worship service, it's so we can say to each other, keep following Jesus. Yeah, keep following Jesus, right? Keep following Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Life is hard. Life is discouraged, discouraging at times. Keep following Jesus. I did lunch with a guy who's kind of, and I won't say anything personal, um, but a guy who's been visiting with us now for a while, and he wanted to grab lunch. And you say, what'd you do at lunch? Basically, he's struggling. You say, what's he struggling with? His life is hard. You say, so what did you encourage him to do? Keep following Jesus. Just to keep his eyes on Jesus. To keep pursuing Jesus. And encouraging him in the same way that I need you all to encourage me. And we need to encourage one another to keep following Jesus, our high priest. Let's pray.